Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Style Files podcast. I'm your host, Paloma Contreras, and joining me today is one of the brightest stars in the design universe, Alessandra Branca. Internationally celebrated for interiors with an inviting flair, Alessandra Branca has classicism running through her veins. Her signature style born of a Roman childhood, nurtured through 30 years of experience. Branca blends color, pattern, and texture with an abundant sense of joy, a little wink, and the wisdom to make it all work in perfect harmony. Branca's interiors are livable, designed to reflect and soften our complex worlds. What unifies her work is an overall sense of balance and the practical magic she casts, turning houses into homes. The hallmark of any Branca interior is authenticity, reverence for quality craftsmanship, finely tuned proportion and scale, rigorous attention to detail, and a focus on the individual client. Everything contributes to the complete vision for a home designed to meet her client's needs, supporting and enhancing a well-lived life. Whether she's creating a family beach house, a Park Avenue pied-à-terre, a sailboat or a private club, Alessandra delivers a distinct point of view and a deep understanding of how we want to live wherever we find ourselves. Alessandra, we're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello. Hi, Alessandra. How are you? I am great. It's working. I was so worried. Oh, no. Good. Good, good, good. Well, I'm so happy to have you today. It's fantastic to be here. It's such a strange way to connect, but it, at least it's connecting, right? Isn't it? Well, you know, that was my whole goal with this was just to foster connection between creative people and to hopefully distract everybody else from all of the terrible things that are going on right now and inspire them for a little bit. Very smart and very sweet, frankly. (laughs) Thank you for doing it. (laughs) Of course. Where are you currently? Are you in Chicago? I'm in Chicago. Yes. And how are things there? Um, uh, they're, they're, they're okay. I mean, it's, uh, they've started, you know, the weather is still a little cool, but they start, I, I try to walk every day and they've started to lock down the park. So because too many people were out there running without masks and we walk with masks and anyway, it's kind of sad. Thankfully I live in a house and I have a little garden, so I get to watch things slowly bloom it's really amazing, though. It makes me think of what it's like for people in limited space. You know, it really makes you think. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I, those of us who have a little bit of outdoor space are so fortunate. I can't imagine being I mean, confined, you know, to a small apartment, per se, yep. and not really having access to the outdoors. Yep. It's crazy. It's, it's a, it really does redefine a lot of things. In pe- I, I am sure that from this, many things will come. And Alessandra, is your mother still living in Rome? No, my mother is not in Rome right now. Okay, good. My mother, thankfully, was in Harbor Island. I was supposed to go see her, and they shut down the airport the day we were flying in. So my mother's been there. She's very, she's fine. She's with people that work for us, and they're happy. We have a little vegetable garden, which has been godsend. And my mother is living this out safely and happily in the sun, which is great. And, and in some ways, maybe slightly oblivious to what's happening, which I think is good for her. Well, Having nice. lived 84 years, she doesn't need to have this at the end of her life. Definitely not. Oh, my goodness. But yeah. I can't think of a nicer place to 
ride this out, if you will. No kidding. Then, <laughs> I know. I FaceTime with her and she always says, do you want to see the garden and the sun? And I just keep reminding her we had snow three days ago here. I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy. I was supposed to be there, well, this week, actually, for um, the Lake Forest show house to install a room that I'm doing in that show house. And obviously, that's been postponed. But I couldn't believe it when people were sending me photos of, of the snow there. Yeah, we had snow. Boston had snow. It's been a strange spring. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, it's better. I'm glad that it's been because it, you're, you're less likely to feel spring fever when it's 30 degrees outside. That's true. I guess no one's really rushing to go outside yeah. if they don't have to. So Mother Nature's made it a little easier for us. <laughs> well, <laughs> Alessandra, tell us a little bit about your background, because I find it fascinating. You grew up in Italy. I was born and raised in Rome. Um, I, uh, grew up and spent most of li my life until I went to college. Um, and that was my upbringing. Uh, my grandfather was art historian and art critic for the Vatican. And I, my mother worked, uh, sort of a PR for the government for their, um, uh, sort of VIPs. Anyway, she, so I grew up in Rome. I went to school in Rome and my whole life was, Italian and then I chose to go to college and came here when Italy was having lots of problems and um, I came to college and then I met my husband on a blind date stayed and here I've been <laughs> for a long time well that's for a good best, reason to for say. the best of reasons yes absolutely no question <laughs> I am very blessed yes well, how did growing up in Italy inform your aesthetic? I feel like for someone in a creative field, particularly interior design and architecture, growing up in a place such as Italy, whether you knew it at the time or not, must have been so incredible to be surrounded by such history and architecture, decorative arts. Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, you know, there were two things that I think informed who I was. Um, the first being I had a lot of energy and I was very, very curious. And the second, having been raised by an art historian and art critic, and my mother was also extremely into art. I, you know, every single turn I took, I could, I could look at things, I could absorb things without even expecting it. And uh, even when I was, you know, 14, I would run into churches and check. If I walked by something I hadn't seen, I'd go in and see it. So I was very lucky because I could indulge all this curiosity. And I just naturally was drawn to that. And I had no idea, never in a minute would I think that this is what I do. That was just my passion. It was my my upbringing. You know, in Italy, you don't go 10 feet without seeing something and admiring something. And you go to a cafe because the piazza is beautiful and, uh, and it faces the sun in a certain way. So what it did is it really informed me very quietly and it gave me this amazing confidence when you when you walk along paths that have been walked on for 2000 years you have a different sense of who you are i think and that's the one thing that that also there's a lot of confidence that came from being italian and humility because there's such talent that's come before you and everything you look at is the most amazing example of its type that you're sort of, 
it, it gives you a little kick and makes you study harder, learn harder, look harder, look more, you know, it's all part of it. Mm-hmm, certainly. And how then would design eventually become your calling? Oh my gosh. I thought I was going to be in fashion and I uh, did the management training program for Magnons in San Francisco and became a, one of their youngest buyers. And then I uh, left that because I was away from my now, you know, my husband, um, because we were commuting to each other. And um, I ended up coming back and I uh, was trying to decorate our apartment. And when I grew up in Rome, you have things made, you go, you, there's the, 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 uh, the job of a decorator, that, that, that work type does actually not exist. In Italy, we have architects, and um, and that's it. You you have to be an architect to become a designer, uh, and to do interiors. And so, um, you know, I just. You, but otherwise, you go to your guy that makes your furniture. You do this. And I used to have clothes made when I grew up. I mean, I was very used to that. And so I went and started to look for things for the apartment and couldn't find anything. And I, more importantly, I was looking for art. And I'd always collected antique prints, which is so strange. There's a piazza in Rome where they have antique books and antique prints. And from the age of 14, I had always collected 17th through 20, 20th century uh, natural history prints and architecturals. So I went home, bought a whole bunch to do in our apartment. And a friend said, why aren't you selling these? Because no one had them. So I thought about it and he said, you really should do this. And he was, um, he uh, was the creative director at Baker and it just coincidentally. And he said, I just think there's something here. And I started a little gallery and because in Italy, galleries are always like a salone, you know, you go and sit and you talk and you, you know, it's not this sort of uh, wood floor, white walls, things on the wall. At that time, there'd be a sofa, especially with the dealers that I knew in Rome. They, they'd been there for a hundred years and they'd have a little area where they sat and they'd order coffee. And I thought, I'm going to have a gallery that will feel more informal and relaxed. So I decorated it in the sense that I bought sofas and I put furniture and I had these prints and then I started to do and when I looked for frames I couldn't find good looking frames so I designed some frames and then I had some mats painted and we started to paint mats long story short years after that I had this gallery that was very successful and about two years or three years into it I was selling furniture and everything else and people a client came to me and said could you decorate our house and I said I'm not a decorator and they said well we really want you to decorate our house and I said well let me think about that and I had a friend who was in the business one of my dearest friends and I said what if and she was in the business side of it and I said what if you do the business side and I do the interiors the design side and we try this out and that was the beginning and my career started and I never looked back. Never. That, that's incredible. And it also speaks to the testament that even though you obviously have this incredible God-given talent and such amazing taste, you have an eye for things that are so beautiful and put them together in, in a way that feels so timeless. But you knew from the beginning how important it was to bring someone in who understood the business side. 
Yes. Well, I'm, I'm a Virgo. So beyond all else, <laughs> things have to work. So that's part of my brain, the way I function. Um, and I knew that it was very important that, you know, there's a saying in Italian, you, you, you see a good day from the morning, you have to start the way you want to end. And I think the discipline, this is called, and I say this all the time to anybody who will listen, it's called the design business. It is not the design hobby. It is where we work. And the more seriously you take it, the more quality of work you will have and the better your relationships, both with your vendors and your clients and yourself and your employees. It's all very important. And it is the same discipline you apply to making sure you measure a room properly, that you scale furniture out properly, that you uh, that you check your your CFAs and your your in other words, it's the discipline that is a framework for this creative process because you can get carried away in the creative which is fantastic and we need that but if there's a framework and it works beautifully I mean how much better a product and a final uh, uh, you know uh, you know the final outcome of your effort is totally you you can't have the full vision come to life without setting that framework and having the processes in place in order to execute and get, you know, get to the final vision without, you know, a hundred headaches and, um, so those still come. There's no way to avoid, those still happen. (laughs) No matter how much you plan, it happens. And, um, and, but you learn and you have to just, and the more, you know, you just hone your skills. Uh, to this day, I read and read and read and research and and look. And more importantly, I make every effort to see because you mm-hmm. can look and not see. And I think it's just you can never stop. And, and that's the beauty of doing something you love. It's the greatest gift in the world. There is nothing, nothing greater than having the the honor of doing something you love and being good at it and being able to indulge this passion. It's, but you owe it to yourself and to your clients and to whatever you believe in to just keep being stronger and better at it and stunning. Never give up, never stop. I wholeheartedly agree. And I do think that there's always room, regardless of how accomplished someone is, how long they've been in their particular field, there's always room to learn more, to improve upon one's craft, and to continue to see, like you said, I think Vicente Wolf once talked about, he talks about it a lot, actually, um, learning to see and taking in details and truly understanding things for what they are, I think is so important and integral to the job of a designer. And it's a skill. You know, it's not only a, some people are born with an eye, God bless. But beyond the eye, you have to hone the skill. And that means you have to constantly train yourself to looking at form and, and, and the scale of, of rooms and the detail of millwork and the, the shape of a sofa and the, the distance of a chair from an ottoman. It's all stuff you just have to constantly work on. And when people, <laughs> I had clients who said, well, that took you, when you, you were asked a question, it took you five minutes to answer it. Why, why, you know, why just, why do we pay you for an hour? Well, that's because the five minute answer, first of all, took me 40 years to get to. But more importantly, it 
it's all the work behind that that's important. I can have an idea and it takes a split second because that's the beauty of, of an ability, you know, to have, a, to have this, this ability. But the work that goes behind that is what supports it. And that's where you have to check and you have to recheck and you make sure everything's right and you confirm and reconfirm and then you can sleep easy and know that you've done a good job because you sure. will be better. Absolutely. Well, and to add a little, I guess, a, a more complicated layer to your business, you have multiple offices. You work in various cities and take on projects around the world, but you have more than just your office in Chicago. Tell us about the challenges um, in, in having a team that is in different places. Well, um, you know, <laughs> it's interesting. It was more of a challenge until these times. Because what we've learned is, you know, I've had an office in Paris for many years, and that office was born of the fact that about 24 years ago, I knew that I purchased many, many things in Europe, and we had things made in Europe. And so I needed someone to be on the ground and be able to manage all that. We also buy many of our antiques, and we buy a lot of art, and we have things anyway. So there's a, a lot of business comes from Europe. And so I started with that. And then for whatever reason, my career has taken me all over this country and beyond. And my projects are sort of spread out. So I, um, the natural first one was New York because I did a lot of work in New York and I found that having an office in New York helped me, um, because I was going in and out of New York, but we needed that constant of somebody who could go to the sites, who could be my ears and eyes, who could help facilitate, who could go to the vendors, go to the workrooms, you know, so that I wouldn't literally be on a plane every single day, although I'm very close to that. Um, and then we had, um, and we found that that worked well. Um, now the world has changed. We're all working. I'm working on projects all over the country and beyond. We're doing projects in the Bahamas and um, it's very interesting. We're all finding ourselves being able to work and being able to do things at a distance. And so the idea of a, an office in a different place is, has become a different story. It's really, really interesting. Definitely. I think that there will be a lot of lessons we all learn in this time in terms of how we work and how we work moving forward. I think a lot of those lessons will move forward with us in terms of being able to adapt to not always being in the same physical space together, but still being able to execute the work, which is yes, which is yet another skill that we learn to, you know, just learning how to do. We have meetings daily. I uh, talk to my whole team once a day and then we talk to the various individual uh, groups, you know, that are assigned to different projects every day. So <laughs> my life has gone from, you know, 8.30 to 6.30 at night because we have an office in, in LA. We literally, all I do is go from call to call, which I, I don't know how <laughs> I didn't do this before, but it seems to happen. But what's happened is you have to put more effort into each individual because you're not face-to-face -face and you don't have the ability to walk by someone and say, no, no, that drawing's, no, you have to tweak this and tweak that. You don't have that sort of on the, on the, at the moment sort of event. You have to make a point of really talking things through 
through more and you need to explain them to the client, explain them to the employee um, and be able to describe it to your vendor. It's been a very interesting process because we draw, we write POs, we do descriptions, we do elevations, we do colored rendered rooms for all clients and yet we find ourselves now having to be more vocal and so it's been very very interesting I think we will all learn to communicate better probably and in a world you know my kids were saying mom we never used to call anybody their generation literally didn't call someone if you got a call from someone it meant something terrible had happened <laughs> and my daughter said you know what's great is that we now have these conversations and when someone calls you you actually are excited to have a call and I said well that's the way it used to be when I was your age I was on the phone for hours so you know it's really interesting we're all going back and forth you know we're going forward in some ways and we're sort of going back to some other things um so it's it's very, very interesting. All these lessons, all and these are the silver linings. They really are. Indeed, indeed. I think in some way we've been forced to, but I think a lot of people will choose to, moving forward, adapt to this sort of slower pace. And like you said, having that real meaningful connection, picking up the phone, appreciating the time that we have with our loved ones and um maybe just taking stock of how much we, we take on. I know I, oh, in particular, Amen. I'm like, do I, do I want to be running around all the time? Mm, I know. You know, it's kind of nice to be able to have some room left over for my creativity. That's been the biggest for me. That's been one of my two things have happened. One, I have been drawing like a mad person there. I draw and draw and draw and draw and draw because I don't do CAD. I mm -hmm. have been sketching and drawing and I am so happy doing it and have done some amazing work that I'm so excited about because I finally have time to, without apology, sit and draw, which has been great. The other thing that's really happened is that you do take stock. I, I live by um, a saying, and I've, my life has, been, has proven it many, many times. And that is, sometimes when you lose, you win. And I believe, and this is part, the part that is mostly my saying, is that I have almost always won when I lost. There is no loss. There are lessons. There are, there are steps that we take that take us forward and take us closer to who we are and where we're meant to be. And I do feel that in every part of my life. I have been blessed with amazing opportunities and great clients and lots of great work, but I was run ragged before this happened. We installed 24 projects last year. And that is, it was absurd. And I was on planes every other day and you're getting home at midnight and getting on another flight at 6 a.m. because I want to be home with my husband and be with him, even if it means getting up at 4.30 and he drops me off at the airport. I mean, that was a life and it was a complicated life. And if any of us can get something from this, it should be that we have to find the balance it's such a hard thing to do, but it's so important. I talk to my children every day. We didn't used to. 
we were all too busy. I talked mm -hmm. to, uh, I've talked to friends who I not talked to. I talked to clients. I don't want to bother clients, but if they call me, we've had these wonderful talks. You know, they've had discoveries. They've been sitting at home saying, oh my God, I wish I'd done that one thing that you told me to do. Another client said, oh, I'm loving where I am. I'm so happy I'm getting to spend time here. It's not just a stopping point. You know, there's so many things. Isn't that something? And I love that saying. Every time I've, every time that I've won, that I've lost, I've won something. Is that what you said? No. Sometimes no. when you lose, you sometimes win. You lose. Sometimes. And you in lose, my you saying, win. it's most times because most I've, times. I've rarely lost and not in in long term won. You might lose the battle, but you haven't lost the war. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing how often our losses make us stronger, make us better, make us able to step away. You know, we have a loss of income, we have a loss of business, we have a loss of opportunities right now, but there are so many more if we just sit quiet and look and see and listen. You know, they had a book, I think, uh, there's an American children's book that was like, stop, look and listen. Those, to me, think of those three words how important they are to everything we do and our business, everything. I've been reading books. I've been looking at every single, I have so many amazing books and I've been reading them over and over again. It's been great. That's wonderful. Do you typically turn to your books for inspiration oh or is God, there yes. another major source for you? Know you? What? you I, yes, we have. So we've been doing something. So I, I have many books. Yes. I have an amazing library and I'm a, crazy, um, voracious reader. We don't watch much television. Um, and I probably spend about two hours a day reading. I wake up early to read and I read for at least an hour every night. That's no, no matter what day. And then obviously if I have a day on a weekend, I'll read even more. So that's the minimum that I put into reading. And, um, we, decided that during this time I wanted to make the most of the time with my employees and I started a little uh, program with them that we called the co-education program um, project and we what I've done is I've because I realized that my senior people and I had sort of a we had our own language because we have a an institutional experience. So they've been with me for 25 years plus, and they've known the projects. They've been reading the same things. They've been exposed to the same things. So we had our own language in a way and references that many of the younger team people didn't have. And so I decided to create a thing that we do. And that's where I assign to each person a subject and they have to use the internet and their telephone. That's it, because many people didn't have computers at home. They don't necessarily have the books. And they have to research and then come back and do a presentation and use no less than 10 images that they populate a Pinterest uh, board. And then they need to report what they found on that subject. And the first one was on a group of sort of designers that were iconic in my mind. And then the subjects will range from uh, this week, it's on textiles. So it's all different textiles. Another time, it's going to be movies that have influenced interiors and interiors and movies. Um, another one is going to be iconic structures, you know, worldwide. 
uh, that have informed design. Most of this obviously is relates in some ways to what, what influenced me. And the whole thing was born of the fact that I realized they don't have the books. I can run around my library and every single pile I have in my house is of books. So I can, I can feed my fire all day long, but they didn't. So the Pinterest is a wonderful source. Um, and people like you, of course, and Mark Sykes and a number of other people have have amazing uh, folders and files that you can access and you can use to sort of inform yourself visually. And then the Internet has lots of blogs that were written. All those amazing blogs are coming back to be useful because people can read about the various subjects and then read magazines online. I mean, it was amazing. And they're learning how to use all these tools as the weeks go on so that they, um, you know, it was fun because some people would say, oh, did you love, you know, the nice thing is we each can look at the folders and then we can go back and look some more. And I said, please keep these folders alive. In other words, keep populating them. If you find another image of this amazing project by Nancy Lancaster that's never been seen, put it in there so that this becomes this wonderful resource. And I think that that's something that your podcasts are doing. We're all learning to, we're all experiencing learning in different ways and better ways, frankly. So books, yes, I love my books, but this is the best thing we have if you don't have the opportunity of a library. I think that's so smart. And as a former teacher, I love that you're, putting your team to work in a sense by, you know, making these assignments, but everybody gains so much in the end to have that, that knowledge and to, to glean the inspiration that they're finding in their research and then to come back and share it with the entire team and be able to reference that in the future is, is a gift. Oh, it's, well, it's like having a mini, you know, it's a, it's a semester because this thing might last longer than we'd all hoped. But I, you know, my employees are at home. They're not in the office and we are doing, uh, we're doing some work, but I said, I will dedicate 20 percent of our time to this education because I felt dedicating 20 percent of our time to this is gives us not only a common we will all come back it's a it's there's a commonality to it there's something that we can all share remember reminisce but also which I told them be stronger for it I want everybody to come back and not have that internal sort of language that some people have and others don't. Now we're sort of all going to know when I say, oh my God, I want butter yellow. They'll know it's Nancy Lancaster and they won't <laughs> think I'm making fun of someone. Um, and then they'll know when I talk about a Billy Baldwin slipper chair, they'll understand who he is. Or when I talk about Potsdam, they'll know where it was. You know, all of these things. Or Auntie Mame, oh my God, the most, one of the best decorating movies ever. I you love know? that it's, movie. It's so wonderful and joyful. And it's just all about design, which is so great. Um so, you know, there are all these great things. And if you think we have employees who are 22 and we have employees who are in their 50s. And I think what's great is that literally all 17 of us or whatever this is, will all be able to experience something together and be able to go back and say, wow, remember when you talked about this? The other thing we're doing is we're going to 
relate it to what we do. So I want them to look at the work, the body of work, and be able to find references that they think were inspired by whatever subjects we're describing. So it, it will make them learn to look because they'll have to, they'll learn to look and they'll hopefully see and capture. It's kind of like, where's Waldo? You know, it's that side of it that will help them take this beyond this moment. Right. That's and it's so a wise. wonderful pastime. It's wonderful. Learning. Imagine when in our life could we have had this time? And it's like a gift. Absolutely. I, I think of it that way, too. I, and, you know, not to minimize what so many people have been going through. And there's no. millions of people out there who are suffering for various reasons as a result of this whole situation. But for those of us who are safely tucked away at home and have the ability to carry on to some degree, I feel like it's our responsibility to do so in a positive way in which, you know, we're learning and connecting with others and forging a better path forward in some way. Well, you know, it's the form of respect because there's a saying in Italian, which is a slap in the face to poverty. Whenever you waste, mm. that's so if we were all sitting around kind of going, poor me, poor me, you know, that would not do any good either. So the truth is at the end of this, we want to be able to go back, give our wonderful artisans and craftsmen and workrooms amazing things to work with, give them the pride of their work, be able to go and give our clients better product because we finally were able to sit down and be more creative and not just, you know, repeating. Um, we'll be able to also be better people with our employees. I'm going to have a relationship with my employees that we would not have otherwise had. So the truth is this, this is a, the highest form of respect for this time because sitting at home and just wondering what to do wouldn't have helped at all. That's a, such wise advice, sage words for sure. Um, so turning back to an design, old dog, baby, an old dog. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do love that. I think that the, the way that you're describing all of this is, is so grounded. And truly, when I say wise, I mean it, it it's a wise outlook, and um, a kind outlook, I think, in terms of thinking about people other than oneself, and doing the best that you can with what you have. And for some of us, that may be more than it is for others at the moment, but you're right. You have to use that to the best of your ability and then contribute something back to the world. Yep, I agree. Absolutely. Well, um, if we go back to your design work for a mm -hmm. bit, you're known as a classicist. Uh -huh. How do you honor the past and create interiors that feel as timeless as they do, but then also remain prolific and as inspiring as you are? Well, I imagine that the classicism obviously comes from Rome. It's also a framework for what I do. I love, you know, having said even Picasso was a classicist. He started with a, with a structure, with a classical background and an amazing ability at drawing. And I think of classicism in that way. In other words, it's my framework. It's the, it's the outline within which I'm able to work. That doesn't mean I don't abstract from it, but everything is everything that became iconic became classic, if that makes sense. So in that sense, I'm very much a classicist. Um, I think that what, what it means to me is it just 
means that I, again, based on all my studying and my reading and all that fun stuff, I love that we can take something that has been proven and then abstract from it and build from it. And that's one of the most creative things you can do. I mean, if you're blessed enough to be able to be creative from nowhere, God bless. But I wasn't that wasn't what I was given. I was given the ability to study, learn, and understand deeply an idea, and then be able to turn it on its side and see it in a different way. And that is how it, I, I am able to stay, you know, inspired. And, you know, I have these crazy ideas. <laughs> and, you know, upside down, inside out and backwards is how you learn, but you have to have understood it straight. You can't abstract from an abstraction. That's like studying uh, a you know, a 20th century piece of furniture that was an, a, a reproduction of an earlier piece. You must go to the original piece. So you have to have studied the best of its own form to be able to go from there and abstract. What are some of your indispensable design elements? Oh boy, that was a, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, only because indispensable comfort those are elements that are mm -hmm. they're, they're balance, um, but balance can mean, you know, odd numbers, but it's just balance. Um, uh, I like organic patterns mixed with geometrics. That's when, when and if I use patterns, that's what I tend to do because I think there's a yin and yang in design and in nature and that it should be that it's a part of what we do. Um, colors are the same way. There are, there are polarizing colors and then there are colors that, that play well off each other. And every so often there's a color that, that makes, that, that blows something out, you know, that changes it completely. So I think a lot of my so-called, you know, the, the, the details or elements that I have is, um, are born of experimentation and really paying attention. Um, I also really believe in quality and authenticity. I don't, to me, if something is not authentic, it can't, I, I just can't, it, it's, it, it just doesn't work. And so I find that you have to be authentic to yourself. You have to be true to yourself. You have to study everything that you see, and then you have to walk away from it, digest it, and then see who you are. And then the same applies to the actual elements. I think you need to really study something and really make a point to go out and find the best of its example, because you will never tire of quality. You will never tire of authenticity and you will have it forever. You will absolutely have it forever. So when you go to buy your sofa, buy the best sofa you can afford and really think of what sofa is the one that will will speak to you for as long as it can. You know, I think that's very important to my design. Absolutely. Have you uh, recovered your own sofa many times? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
We've That's recovered okay. sofas over and over. We've slip covered. Yes. You know, they're tried and true things. Having said that, that doesn't mean that you can't embrace. And I think we have an obligation to embrace what's out there. You know, there, you need to support new artists, new artisans, new craftsmen, new designers. That's very important. And that's what you infuse into your work. In my case, those are like spices in a kitchen. You want to bring in new ingredients. And that's how we stay new and fresh. But, but I do believe that you have to have that foundation of, of something classical. But, I, you know, I'll still use very modern things, which is, you know, and I love modernity. I think it's important that every room have something classical and then have something that sort of turns it on its side and makes you think, wow, you know, who would ever mix that with that? I mean, that's part of, that's the artful side of what we do. Right. It's that tension, the tension between those sort of disparate items that may not work for the average person. They may not think to put them together, but when they're in the right environment, it really makes the space sing and gives so much personality. The contrast. Well, it's no different. You know, our work is not very different from cooking. It's the same thing. It's like that hidden ingredient that you put in there and you say, why does this chili say so great? And it's that it's thinking of putting in cumin or something that no one in Texas, God bless, would ever even think of. <laughs> but guess what? You can kick it up. And that is creativity. It's taking it, knowing your chili, knowing how to make something absolutely beautifully, but knowing how to also twist on it and play with it and have fun with it. And that is the, is this, the, that's how you take it forward. Right. Well, speaking of spice, and you touched on color earlier, you're known for your use of red, which I love. It conveys passion, confidence, and beauty in my eyes. But so many people are afraid of red. I can't tell you how often my clients will tell me that it's one of the colors that they just don't like or that's off limits for their home. And it always makes me a little bit sad because it's such a beautiful color. What advice do you have for someone who may have an aversion to the color red? Um, well, first of all, if, if you have an aversion, you have an aversion. We have to accept that not everything is appropriate for everyone because this in the end is an incredibly personal thing. But what I've done with clients who have said, you know, we do living rooms, for example, very often that are all beige and then they'll have a touch of red because the clients say, well, you know, why don't we put just one little touch? And it's just like a spice. You might like something very plain, but you will slowly eventually enjoy um, a bit of something new. Um, having said that, I love red. You know, I've never done an all red room because you can love something but not want to overwhelm yourself with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that red or pink or blue, or green, or yellow, all of these colors are just amazing opportunities to see how you feel best in them. And I think that, um, you know, if it's not red, there's another accent. I have a color, I have a client who loves green. She absolutely loves like leaf green and, and in a deeper color sort of and we've collected glassware and her whole house otherwise we're doing a house in a modern house in the country and it's all white but the only accent will be this green and it's really been interesting because she thinks of it as a neutral and I think of it as an accent that is interesting how it can mean something to to a different person than yourself 
yeah and how it's used absolutely well when I think of your interiors with red in particular that Kipps Bay room that you did always comes to mind and don't you have a was it a red banister at your house in Harbor Island I do it's like coral. A, a red yeah. Chippendale My, coral. I have a coral yeah that always comes to mind so beautiful and speaking of Kipps Bay um, you recently participated in the Palm Beach Kip Space Show House, the 2020 Kip Space yeah. Show House in Palm Beach. Feels years and ago. You, isn't that crazy? I, well, <laughs> I, I had the opportunity to see it. So I saw your beautiful oh. room in person. It was stunning. I mean, thank seriously, you. best in show. So thank gorgeous. You, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and to that end, you've collaborated on wallpapers with De Gournay, And then you also recently launched Casa Branca. Um, which made its debut in your room at the Palm Beach Show House. Could you tell us a little bit about um, your inspiration for the room itself and then how Casa Branca has come to be? Well, the room was inspired. I have um, uh, my I'm, I'm doing a series of, of collections with De Gournay and they're four seasonal collections. Last year, I introduced wit, uh, Winter which um, where I was inspired by, um, I, I thought, what could be more, where is winter beautiful? And I thought of Russia. And then I thought of Catherine the Great, who had been an amazing patron of the arts and really supported incredible, beautiful things made at that time. And so my whole collection was based on not only papers, hand-painted papers, but they were embroidered. And it was very luxe and luxurious. And we did this incredible space in Paris and launched it there. And I had embroidered fabrics and just really an incredible, wonderful wonderful collection and then I knew we wanted to do summer and I kept thinking where are we going to do summer and I had this uh, you know Kipps Bay which they asked me to do and I really felt like this was my chance so I'd always been, I'd been working with uh, with their design director and um, she and I had already established three years ago that that summer was going to be this play on Portugal and i I thought this was the, this was it. This is the perfect place to show it. Um, blue and white is is eternal and it's universal and it's spectacular, and it's fresh and it's light, and the space that I got lent itself wonderfully to it. And we had this wonderful porch and then a really great bedroom um, space, and it's very light and relaxed. And um, and then I've been working on Casablanca for about um, three years. Uh, we, um, I have always done custom fabrics and custom designs and had things made for my clients because again, I have this, this, this lack of fear. And I also have a love of working with artisans and craftsmen and I was able to have fabrics made in Italy. I've been having this done for 25 years. Um, and so I've thought, well, we've have some of these patterns and we've been developing more. And I really felt that there was a place for something that's different than what you see out there. And my son has wanted to be in a business, start a business. And so this was an opportunity for him to take this and build on it. So it is run out of LA where he lives and they have been we've been doing everything from fabrics to trims and wallpapers and with this slight interruption <laughs> the timing's been a bit of a problem <laughs> it was going to be launched in a pop-up um, for three weeks on worth avenue in palm beach in march um 
in April. So unfortunately, we're now having to regroup and think of a different way to launch. But we've been selling. People have been writing us. Um, I know the website's almost ready. It had to be changed a bit because everything's changed. But um, soon you will have a whole world of La Vita Branca where people can experience these various things that I've done in a different spirit. It's, it's really actually its own aesthetic and brand, um, all based on classics, but twisted. And, and we've had fun with that. Um, so there are linens, there are wovens, there are wonderful wallpapers. Uh, it, it's, it's, and there are 166 SKUs. So it's quite a, an ex oh, wow. extensive collection. Um, right. Yeah, it's great. And it's really amazing. And I've been working with them now for two years, where we've actually been using them. So I was the guinea pig. And, um, and it was great. It was fantastic. That's so wonderful. And your room at the Kip Space Show House, the fabric on that beautiful bed. Was that was Casa Branca. The, mm -hmm. uh, that's called Fiamma. Yes, that's, um, that was from uh, Casa Branca. As was the stripe and the paisley, the outdoor stripe and paisley that are out on the um, porch, on the loggia, um, that are really wonderful. We researched and researched. I've always had issues with outdoor fabrics feeling so outdoors. They had a, te a textural, you know, an actual hand that was a little bit different and found a wonderful person in Italy who has found a way to break that down and soften it. And we were we have outdoor fabrics that are every bit as soft as anything you'd put inside. In fact, we use them inside and outside. So, which is really the new world of fabrics, anyway. So it's mm -hmm. been really interesting. How fantastic! Well, I can't wait to see it all in person. Yeah, when you're you going to see it soon, <laughs> you especially. But we also have a custom component where people can customize because obviously I do that all the time. So it's something my team is, is comfortable with now. And we have an absolutely wonderful team that have been working on it for quite a while. So it'll be fun. And you, if you follow Casa Branca, you will begin to see some things in there. We have dishes, we have hand-painted glassware, we have linens that I have. I went to Rwanda and have been working with uh, survivors of the genocide who have been embroidering. All these wonderful, talented women have been embroidering away and we've done sheets. And um, so there, there's a world of things that are coming. So it, it will be wonderful to see for everyone where we can do everything from cocktail napkins to window treatments to... Uh, bed sheets and duvets and um, all those many of those are hand embroidered and then we also did printed that are hand detailed by these lovely women um, in Rwanda so that's been another side to all this that has felt so amazing um, because that's one thing that my my son and my children really wanted is to build something that would help people and um and all that we do always helps people. But in this case, you really feel it when you're working with someone who, who has, doesn't have the ability to walk and therefore they're able to embroider because they were taught by the um, Belgian nuns to embroider. So there's this wonderful tradition there. Yeah, sure. That's so wonderful. Yeah. And it sounds like it's been a huge undertaking to have so many original exclusive products to your line that you've designed and then executing them, finding the right artisans 
around the world to execute these products for you and then bringing all of that to market. I mean, that's certainly not for the faint of heart. Is there a reason that you decided to do it the way that you have um, under your own umbrella rather than partnering with people and doing a licensed collection? Well, I've, I've done the license and I loved it and it was a wonderful experience. It was not, it was a limited and as it should be, because that's the, the, the licensors are obviously uh, have a certain amount of money to invest in doing this. We decided that we really wanted to do a whole, the whole lifestyle. So we have vintage and antique furniture. So everything from, you know, finding a wonderful original Billy Baldwin slipper chair, which we've redone, recovered. So we keep the the original and we recover it in our fabrics. And then being able to put in, you know, a a great Janssen desk next to it. And then to be able to put a table and chairs and have a dining setting. I wanted to bring this whole lifestyle together. And it's, it's in a smaller format than you think, in the sense that it's a boutique business. We are not going to have showrooms in every city. You know, we're not going to be a, a, a Kravit or Brunswick or any of that. The whole idea is it's a much more craft-based business. So it's it's more intimate. It's more, um, it, and it's in some ways more limited because the furniture that we're doing at, at this stage of the game is some upholstery, some some pieces, but really a lot of it is vintage because I wanted people to understand that you can buy great quality vintage and antique as accents in your house and then use these, these newer fabrics and make them feel more like today. Um, and then you can buy our dishes and mix them with your grandmother's dishes and have a new table setting very easily. Uh, so there's a lot of that. I really believe in the mix and match of high and low old and new. And mm-hmm. that's what Casablanca is. It's, it's just this whole lifestyle all in one. Fabulous. Well, I'm sure we will all love it because it sounds incredible. And I love that, that mix of, um, of elements, like you said, the old and new modern and traditional, uh, that the juxtaposition of different stylistic elements to make it all really work beautifully together. Well, you're going to have so much fun. And that's the other part of this all (laughs) is that I think you have, people have to have fun doing this. And that's why it's nice to bring things that are smaller elements, you know, things like um, a cool embroidered pillow that you can throw into your existing living room or a wonderful plate or some great tray, you know, there decorating is not just as you and I know it's not just the big picture it's the little things that make the difference and I think that as people get back into life whenever that may be when we get back into the pet you know the 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 whatever the pace may be, I think people will really love their interiors more and they will care about their homes having spent so much more time in them. And, you know, it will be wonderful. Think of the first ability of anybody to have people for dinner where you just have, I don't care if it's pizza, but we will all be so excited to share and to be together because in the end, that's what a home is. It's a place where you pull everybody, all the people you love together. That's it. That's the only reason this exists. Other than a shelter, it is where we come together. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how people evolve from this in design. 
and, That's so true. and their relationship with the home. You know, some people may run away from the home they're in yeah. because they'll be so sick of it um, and may not go home for a while. But I think there's a lot of other people like home buddies like me who are just happy as a pig in mud. I am mm-hmm. as happy as can be in my little corner. I found that I spend a lot more time paying attention to where the light is, which I thought was an interesting thing. Um, you know, which way the sun goes so that you can have the light while you're working. You know, it's really interesting. So there will be new relationships and new ways of seeing things. I agree with you. Well, once we're able to leave home and we can travel again, is there a place that you would most like to go first? Oh, my God. So you're talking to someone who flew 160,000 miles a year on on average, at least. There were years where I did more than that. Um, You know, the first place I will, the only places I will initially travel is to see my children and my family. Mm -hmm. That to me is the start. It's the first flight I can get. I have to, and unfortunately my daughter is living in New York city and my sons are in LA. So I've I've got to figure that one out, but I have to be honest, that is going to be the very first thing I have to do is to just be as close as possible to my children um, and my mother. Uh, Beyond which I think that I have to go home to Italy. We have a home in Rome And Italy is the only thing that matters to me. And it's the only place that's important. So I will go to Rome and I will try to support all those souls. They don't have the same opportunities that Americans have had. And it is going to be a long time before Italy can come together again. Um, businesses will have failed. I've been speaking to people. It's a very difficult time. My son was getting married in Italy in the fall. So that's going to be figured out, um, you know, when and how that ever, it will happen, but when it will be a different question. I think those are the trips that will matter the most to me. Um, you know, obviously there are clients and there are projects and things like that, but the truth is the first things that I will travel to will be my children and family. Of course. I love that. Is there anything that people might be surprised to learn about you? Oh my God. Well, let's see. I'm often told that I I will be honest with you. People say this all the time. I'm often told that (laughs) they're surprised at how normal and down to earth I am. I have no idea what, what (laughs) I, why people would think I wouldn't be, but I am absolutely what you see is what you get. There is nothing behind it. It is exactly who I am. I am the same with everyone I meet. I, I just, uh, it surprises me. Um, you know, things like I don't play golf. Quelle surprise. Um, mm-hmm. I am always game for anything new. I love any adventure, any experience. I'm worth, I'm well, I, I'm always interested in something new that's just something that people might not know and i love earth wind and fire <laughs> well that's fun and ella fitzgerald <laughs> and uh you know and all sorts of uh, amy winehouse uh yeah you know there are lots of and khalid you know i love music i think it's the rhythm of our life and i think it's important there again it's new and old um But really, in the end, I think it's always surprises me. You know, I'm very private. I am as friendly as can be. But in the end, the only things that matter in my life are my husband, my children, and my close, close friends. I am. And so I guess I I have not put myself out there and been had obvious um, uh, 
talents or, or <laughs> beyond my job. But the truth is, this is when you work the way I do my life. This is it. It's a very simple life. It really is. I don't, I love my family. I love food, you know, all the things that everybody else loves, I think. Well, I mean, is there anything else truly the, the, the most important things in life? And I love that you enjoy them wholeheartedly and to the fullest. So that's an important thing for all of us to remember. Oh, it's, I mean, it's the only thing that matters, especially in these times, you know, when yes. you think about it, you know, it's, um, it's been a time to reflect. It's, it's been an interesting thing because it's the first time that the entire world is experiencing something at the same time. It's the first time that everyone has the same exact experience in common, uh, which is going to be interesting. Um, and I think that in the end, what it's, what it's really taught us is that the only things that matter are love. That's it. Love is love is love is love. It could never have been said better. And it has never been truer. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that carries on. It's the only thing that helps people get through stuff. It's the only thing that gives you joy. It's the only thing that lights you up. It's the only thing you can, you can give without end. I mean, it's the only thing that matters. That's it. That's what we learned. It's, and, we, and if we, God bless this experience, if it took being knocked on our sides to remember it and to, to be reignited. Such beautiful perspective. Well, as we wrap up, Alessandra, I'll ask you one last question. What is currently giving you hope? in the world of design or otherwise? Ah, in the world of design, I have to be honest, I look forward to seeing what comes from this. I am so, I, I really think that lots of people, young, you know, and old, you know, all the old dogs and all the new puppies in this industry will have had a chance to really come up with some new and interesting things. So I think that's going to be very exciting, particularly if you're creative, you look forward to seeing what's come of it. Um, I I think that that's my main thing in my industry. You know, as a person, what gives me hope? I, I live, hope is eternal. I live that way. I'm always very upbeat. Um, I'm very serious, but I'm definitely a positive person. And, um, and I believe that there will be good from this. There will be good. As much as there's so much suffering, as much as there's been such a crazy time in the world, there will be good that will come from this. We just have to be patient and we have to believe in everything beyond us because it's, it's out of our hands. So we might as well, <laughs> we have no choice. But I do believe that there's, when you talk about hope, oh my God, this is the ultimate. Well, thank you so much, Alessandra. You have been an absolute delight. You've shed so much um, insight onto not only the way that you run your your successful design firm, but also giving us such amazing perspective on life and on this current situation that we're all navigating together. So thank you for sharing your positivity and so much inspiration with us today. You are so welcome. It's great to talk to you and I look forward to seeing you in person again. <laughs> yes, hopefully when soon. When we're in living hopefully flesh. Soon. God forbid, yeah. only after my hairdresser, though. 
Exactly. Me too. <laughs> I'm so overdue for so many things. Oh, but yes. We will survive. Well, be well, stay safe, and keep Likewise. inspired. Have fun with it. Thank you Thank so you, much, Paloma. Ciao, baby. Big ciao. kisses. Ciao. 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 That was interior designer, product designer, and author, Alessandra Branca. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Style Files. Be sure to follow us online at thestylefilespodcast.com where you can find more episodes featuring inspiring conversations with creatives. You can listen directly on our website or subscribe via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying The Style Files, please consider leaving us a positive rating or review. It will only take a few seconds of your time and will make a huge difference for us. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.